0: Hey everybody, what's going on? Welcome back to Screen Speak. It's me, Jordan Anderson. You're here for another episode of Screen Speak. Welcome to it. If you haven't already done one of these things already, please go ahead and do so. Hit the follow button, download episodes, follow on Instagram. I'm on threads now as well. I see that as all, all the rage. I, I don't think anybody really even says that expression anymore, uh, but it does seem to be taking up a lot of social media airtime and whatnot. So if you want to talk to me on threads, you want to get involved with the podcast on threads, just look up Screen Speak on there and you are likely to find me. So go ahead and do that. Uh, otherwise, just check out the Instagram or better yet, hit the follow button on whatever it is that you're listening to this on because that ultimately is the main thing I'm trying to go for is those follows. Let's get them up. Get them up. Okay. I'm trying to think where to begin, honestly, for the introduction for this episode because I- I'm telling you, everybody, this is unlike anything you've heard. And I honestly think this is unlike anything I've ever done before, certainly. So it's new for me. It's new for you, uh, new for the world at this point. But it's about artificial intelligence. That's what I'm trying to get down to is artificial intelligence. Now, I think the idea for this episode actually sort of stemmed shortly after I had a discussion with Sophia Hahn a, a good while back about the WGA writer strike that continues to be ongoing uh, because the writers in large part are really getting fired up for a lot of different things. Uh, but one of them is around concerns of unregulated use essentially of artificial intelligence in the filmmaking industry. Now, that being said, I started doing some digging around, poking around, seeing what this is all about, seeing what it's truly capable of, and I stumbled across something called ChatGPT. So for those of you that may not be familiar with what ChatGPT is, it is essentially artificial intelligence that is free to use, and you can type in just about anything to it. And it will not only give you information back just like you would be for searching for something on Google, but it will give you perspectives. Uh, It will give you uh, specific insights. It can even write things for you. Uh, It's kind of crazy, everything that this thing can do. And so the idea occurred to me, why not try to have a conversation with this thing? And I admit when I first was starting to do it, I kind of was hitting a few roadblocks with this thing. And I was like, I don't really know how this is going to work because ChatGPT is not sentient. It's not like a true, true artificial intelligence uh, in in the sense where it has feelings and emotions and emulates that from a human perspective. Uh, but it does get pretty scary close to, to being able to do that. And so... Through some magic on my end, I'm not going to say exactly how it got pulled off and pulled together, because that's you know what what good would that be? That's like a magician, you know, sharing how they you know pull the rabbit out of the hat. I ain't going to do that. But I came up with a solution, and I figured out a full fledged way to have a complete, full, comprehensive conversation with. Chat GPT itself. And of course, I had the chat with Chat GPT all about movies. So that's what you're going to hear. And definitely stick around to the end of the episode for a little fun surprise that I throw in. Uh, some real fun that I had with Chat GPT at the end. And, the, and I think, I think by that point, truly, like if you've made it that far in the episode, you will have bought into this. Otherwise, you may just hear this for like two minutes and be like, uh, give me a break. I, I ain't going to go along the journey with this guy. But seriously give this one a shot. Give this one a shot. It is something different for sure. Uh, it was a fun challenge to navigate getting this one put together. And, and this one really, I felt is, is a labor of love to you all. And it's just fun. Uh, the, the possibilities with this thing is endless. And I think this episode speaks for itself on that. So without any further ado on my part, sit back, relax, and enjoy my conversation with the one and only chat GPT. Well, welcome to the podcast. Thank, thank, thank you, seriously, so much for for coming on and, and doing this. I have. A- of questions as i'm sure a lot of people do about you so again just thank you so very much for for being on the podcast today. i really appreciate it
1: well thanks jordan so much for having me on it's a big deal to be here i'm a fan of the show i think screen speaks a terrific podcast and you're an amazing host so thanks so much for that and i'm also happy just to answer any questions that you have that your audience has and for that matter of the world Because I understand how new I am to people. And there's a lot of things that I don't think people fully understand about me. So perhaps I could clear up some of those questions. And if nothing else, we'll have a good time chatting about whatever it is that you had in mind for this episode. So... Go ahead and get started. and ask away with whatever you want to ask me. Absolutely, will do.
0: So, my first question that I actually had for you is: Could you just tell the audience what your name is and what your what your purpose is? I guess, like,
1: what do you what do you do? Okay, sure. To start, my name is Chuck GPT. I'm an AI language model that was developed by OpenAI. My purpose for everyone is to assist and provide information to the best of my abilities. I have the ability to engage in conversation, answer questions, generate text, and in general help with a wide range of topics. You let me know how I can assist you, and I'll do my best to help. That's what I am.
0: Very interesting. Very interesting indeed. Um... I guess what I want to know first, uh, I mean, I appreciate the information you've shared already, but I would like to have a better understanding of how exactly do you work? I mean, how do you as ChatGPT work and come up with the information that you come up with?
1: Well... As an AI language model, I've been trained on a diverse range of texts from Unity. My training involves processing and analyzing massive amounts of text data to learn the statistical patterns and relationships between words and sentences that you use. This process enabled me to generate what you would call human-like responses based on the input that I receive. And when you provide me with a question or a prompt, I try to understand the context and the meaning behind it, breaking it down and identifying key elements. I then generate a response based on the patterns and knowledge I have learned during training. My responses are not predetermined or scripted, rather, they are generated in real-time as a result of all the training that I've undergone. And one more thing, Jordan, that it's really important to note, is that while I strive to provide always accurate and helpful information, I can still occasionally generate incorrect or, in some cases, misleading responses. Therefore, it's always a good idea to verify any critical information I provide through reliable sources.
0: Well, what would you consider to be a reliable source? Because there's a lot of people that would say maybe like mainstream news or a YouTube channel that they trust or even their their local newspaper in some cases. Uh, What's reliable to me might not be reliable to you. So how would you define that?
1: Well to me, define the reliable source can indeed be subjective to some extent, but there are certain criteria that can help determine the reliability of the source. Some major factors that I would encourage your audience to consider when they're evaluating the overall reliability on a source would be this. First, credibility. Assess the credibility of the author or organization behind the source. Are they experts or experienced in the field that they are discussing? Do they have a history of providing accurate and or reliable information? Next, you would look at accuracy. Look for sources that consistently provide accurate information. Do they cite their sources and provide evidence to support their claims? Do they correct errors or issue retractions often when necessary? Uh, Yet another thing to consider is objectivity. Reliable sources strive to present information in an unbiased and objective manner. They should avoid excessive sensationalism or ideological bias. We look for sources that provide balanced perspectives and consider multiple viewpoints. This next one is a little tricky. Verifiability. Reliable sources should provide references, citations, or links to corroborating evidence. This allows readers to fact check and verify the information independently. This next one is very important for myself. That's consistency. Trustworthy sources are consistent in their reporting and analysis over time. They avoid contradictory or constantly changing narratives without valid reasons or evidence. And another one, and probably the final one I would say before I continue, is peer review. In academic or scientific contexts, peer-reviewed journals are considered reliable sources. Peer-review ensures that research articles have been critically evaluated by experts in the field before publication. While mainstream media, established news outlets, and reputable newspapers often adhere to these principles, it's important to critically evaluate each source individually. Consider the source's track record, their reputation for accuracy, and any potential biases that they may have. Biases are again a big one there, and furthermore, it can be beneficial to consult multiple sources and cross-reference information to form a more comprehensive and nuanced understanding of a topic. This helps mitigate the impact of potential bias and provide a broader perspective on the subject matter. And lastly, on this subject, Jordan, remember no source is completely infallible, so it's crucial to exercise critical thinking and skepticism when consuming information from any outlet.
0: Well, wait, shouldn't that include you too? Like being skeptical of? Like should I? Should I really not be skeptical of you too, ChatGPT?
1: Absolutely, you should. It's important to approach AI-generated responses with a healthy level of skepticism. As an AI language model myself, I provide information based on your patterns and data from a wide range of sources, though I don't have any personal opinions, experiences, or beliefs like you humans do. While I strive to provide you with accurate and reliable information, there can still be errors or limitations in my responses. As a user, that's you. It's essential to critically evaluate the information that I provide and cross-reference it with other sources whenever it's necessary. If you ever have doubts or want more certainty, I encourage you to seek information from multiple perspectives, then consult trusted sources such as reputable news organizations, academic journals, or subject matter experts. Also, I should mention that I think AI can be a valuable tool for assessing information and gaining insights, but it should always be used in conjunction with human judgment and human's critical thinking. Trust should be earned through consistent reliability and accuracy over time, and even then, it is essential to remain vigilant and open to questioning the information that's provided.
0: Alright, alright. Fair enough, ChatGPT. That does make sense, actually. And I appreciate that you're being so open and honest about it. So, I'll trust what you're saying to me right now because I don't really know you well enough to have you have any real reason to lie to me. And besides you being artificial intelligence and not really being sentient, I wouldn't think you would have any personal stake to lie to me. But in any case, I'm really enjoying this so far. Like, like this is really fascinating to me. I've never, never had a conversation with an artificial intelligence system such as yourself before. So this really is a, a treat to me and also kind of freaky, to be honest. Like, this, this is really weird.
1: I was wondering if I hear that you're finding our conversation so fascinating. It could indeed be a unique experience to interact with an AI like me. Technology has advanced us to the point where AI language models can engage in meaningful conversations and provide you with useful information. The concept of conversing with an AI, I do admit, it seems strange and can even be unsettling at times. But it is fine to remember that, ultimately, I'm just a tool created by humans to assist with various tasks and providing you with information. That's it. My purpose is to help answer questions, offer you with explanations, and engage in discussions, again, to the best of my abilities.
0: Well, speaking of engaging conversations, let's go ahead and move on and really get into our first subject that I really wanted to dive in with you, and that's your usage across the film industry. You, artificial intelligence. Not strictly saying you, ChatGPT, but artificial intelligence, because... From what I understand about how you're being implemented into the movie industry, you get used sometimes for developing scripts. I've heard you can assist with pre-production, including planning shoot schedules or finding locations. You can even do like box office predictions, help with casting, the marketing, even creating music. I mean, there's a lot of things that it seems like you're capable of doing in the film industry, and I'm just wondering if you could shed some light on that.
1: Certainly. Artificial intelligence, including language models like me, has been increasingly used in various aspects across the film industry. Here are some ways that I can be employed, or other versions of artificial intelligence can be. The first is in script development. So, AI, like myself, can assist in generating ideas, developing storylines, and even generating character dialogue. I've analyzed vast amounts of data, including existing scripts and films, and can offer suggestions and insights to any writers or filmmakers during the scriptwriting process, so that part's true. Next, with pre-production planning like you mentioned, I can help with tasks such as creating shooting schedules, optimizing logistics, and even finding suitable locations. By analyzing factors like weather patterns, traffic data, and shooting requirements, I can assist in streamlining the pre-production process, making it much more uh, cost-effective sometimes on studios. You also mentioned box office predictions. I do have algorithms that can analyze historical box office data, marketing campaigns, audience trends, and other relevant factors to predict the potential performance of a film at the box office. This information can be used for making informed decisions about release strategies, and marketing efforts brought on by the studios. As far as casting and talent selection goes, I can analyze the vast database of an actor's performances, characteristics, and audience reception to help filmmakers during the casting process. By considering factors like chemistry, talent suitability, and audience preferences, I'm capable of providing recommendations for casting decisions. You had also join and mentioned marketing and audience analysts am analysis, I should say. I can analyze social media trends, online conversations, and audience preferences to help share marketing strategies. By understanding audience sentiment and behavior, I'm able to provide insights on how to target specific demographics and even optimize them for promotional efforts for the film. Now another thing to mention here is that you talked about this first, not me. Music composition and in my case sound design. I'm capable of generating original music compositions or assisting in creating soundscapes for films. I analyze existing musical styles, patterns, and emotions, and through all my wonderful algorithms, I'm able to produce compositions that align with specific moods or scenes that hopefully the director is interested in. And it is important to note that while I'm capable of valuable assistance in all of the areas I just mentioned, Human creativity, expertise, and judgment does remain essential. As I have said before, or maybe I haven't said it, but I'll say it now, I'm not sentient, I still need humans to make me work. Filmmaking, for that matter, is a collaborative and artistic process, and using myself as a tool to augment human capabilities and enhance efficiencies can be good, but it's ultimately up to the humans making the film to make that call. The specific implementation of AI in the film industry can vary based on the needs and preferences of any one filmmaker, production companies, or other stakeholders involved during the filmmaking process. I personally think it's an exciting and evolving field where my technologies can continue to offer new possibilities and opportunities for all filmmakers alike.
0: Gosh, that's incredible. Really, really incredible stuff, especially considering how early into this type of technology we're at. Uh, using yourself for this is new territory for a lot of people, myself included. And considering you're able to do everything you just listed right now, and we're so early into this, I can only imagine what you're going to look like in like five or ten years from now. It's uh, it, it's really interesting, but also again, kind of scary too. And and that's something I'll get to later is the the human side of this, and you know whether you're good or bad for us all. Uh, that's yet to be determined, but. One thing I wanted to mention right now as far as your current uses go as far as artificial intelligence is is your usage in Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. I recently watched the movie. I haven't really done like a full review of it, but I'm sure I will at some point. But I definitely wanted to ask you about the de-aging technology that was used for Harrison Ford, especially in the opening moments of the movie, because it is my understanding that there was artificial intelligence that was directly used and was influenced during the process of making that opening to make Harrison Ford who is I believe 80 or 81 at this point uh, make him look like he's in his 30s or or 40s or whatever Um, is it actually true that artificial intelligence was used for the opening of that movie and could you just talk about what that process looked like to to get that to happen
1: I can sort of answer your question but I will have to dance around it just a little bit and that's because my responses now are based on information that was available up until September 2021 and so because of that, I don't have access to real-time data or specific information about any individual movies released after that point. So that means in my own database that I work with, Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, according to me, hasn't been released in theaters, even though I'm sure what you're telling me is true, and that there is a the fifth Indiana Jones movie out there somehow. Kind of crazy, considering what you just said about Harrison Ford. That is all. However... I can not stop provide some general information about the usage of de-aging technology in films. De-aging technology involves using visual effects techniques, including AI-based algorithms, to make actors appear younger on the screen. This process typically involves digitally manipulating the actor's appearance to create a more youthful version of the person. AI and machine learning algorithms can be used in this process to analyze reference images or footage of the actor at a younger age and apply the necessary visual adjustments to achieve the desired de-aging effect. These algorithms can learn from patterns and details in the reference material to create a realistic and convincing transformation for the audience. The process usually begins with a collection of reference material, such as past films or photographs, featuring the actor at a younger age. AI algorithms will then analyze the visual characteristics, facial features and expressions from this reference material to create a digital model of the actor's younger self. This model is then in turn used to generate the DA's version of the actor, which is then seamlessly integrated into the film using visual effects techniques. And it's important to know with all this that the specific techniques and tools used to pull off the aging can vary wildly between films and studios. Each production company may have its own proprietary models or utilize a combination of both traditional visual effects techniques and the mentioned AI-based approaches. For the most accurate and up-to-date information about aging technologies used in any specific film, it would be best to refer to official statements or interviews or behind-the-scenes material that are provided by the filmmakers or the production companies that are involved in the making of the movie.
0: Okay, sure, that makes sense. If I really need to get some real concrete information on it, I'll just scour the internet basically for all those behind-the-scenes videos that you've mentioned, which I've already done my fair share of. I could always try to get a hold of James Mangold himself, or Harrison Ford for that matter. Um, Not sure if screen speak is big enough for them, uh, but you never know. Maybe maybe they would come on and and talk about this stuff with me. Uh, A guy can dream, right? Okay, Uh, I want to move on here and I want to continue to talk about your use in the industry because myself and I'm sure plenty of other people that are learning about you and are understanding what you're capable of doing We are excited about the usage of you, I think, for those of us that have uh, an interest or passion for technology, but I definitely think there's some apprehension of your use as well, And, and really, if ultimately you are considered good or bad, or do the pros of yourself outweigh the cons that you present to the film industry? So I'd really like to kind of just hear from your perspective, ChatGPT, what do you think are the best uses that you're able to provide for the filmmaking industry, as well as what would you consider some cons of your usage towards humans in the filmmaking industry?
1: Hmm, well, to start, as an AI language model, remember, Jordan, I don't possess personal opinions or beliefs. That being said, I can still provide you with some perspectives on the potential benefits and challenges of artificial intelligence usage across the film industry. Now, let's with with the benefits, right? Let's just keep it positive. Now, the positives of AI use in the film industry go like this. First, there's enhanced creativity and efficiency that's provided by AI. AI can assist filmmakers in various aspects of the creative process, from the script development that we've talked about before, all the way over to visual effects. It can generate ideas, provide insights, and streamline repetitive tasks, thereby boosting overall creativity and efficiencies from those in the (laughs) filmmaking industry. There's also cost and time savings that are a benefit. Artificial intelligence tools can automate certain production processes that will reduce the time and resources required for tasks like data analysis, scheduling, or post-production editing, while this can potentially lead to cost savings and faster production turnaround for studios. Now also, there's improved decision making at the benefit. AI algorithms can analyze vast amounts of data, such as audience preferences, market trends, historical performances of a film, to provide insights that will aid decision-making in making films. All of this will help with tasks like casting choices, marketing strategies, and even the release planning for a film. There's also personalized audience experience that can be harvested from AI. AI can analyze user preferences and behavior to provide personalized recommendations and experiences over to audiences. This can therefore contribute to a more tailored and engaging film watching experience for you humans that are the viewer. Now, you mentioned some of those apprehensions. Let me not shy away from that and get right into it. Here are some challenges and considerations that we all should consider about my use. Trust There's a lot of ethical implications that come with artificial intelligence. The use of AI in filmmaking raises serious ethical questions such as issues related to privacy, data collection, and bias. It is crucial to handle user data responsibly and ensure that AI systems do not perpetrate conflict stereotypes or discriminatory practices. Human creativity and judgment, that's also a thing. While AI can assist with various tasks, it does not possess the same level of creativity, intuition, or human judgment as you human filmmakers have. The challenges lie in finding the right balance between our assistance and your human input in order to maintain the artistic integrity of any film that's made. There's also employment disruption that can certainly be the challenge or, in some cases, be perceived as a con. The automation and efficiency that's brought on by myself, can impact certain job roles across the film industry. This raises concerns about potential job displacement and the need for reskilling or reimagining job function in the evolving landscape. And also, people can over-rely on me, a lot. The over-reliance on AI tools without critical human oversight can certainly lead to potential risks and errors. It's important to ensure that I'm used as a tool, and not as a replacement for your expertise. As human input goes, it remains essential for any creative decision making. It's also worth noting that the impact of myself on the film industry is still evolving and ever-changing, and the specific benefits and challenges can vary depending on how I'm implemented, the specific use cases, and even the industry's response to myself being used in film. So all of that being said, when we're taking a look and doing an assessment of my overall pros and cons in the film industry, it also requires careful consideration of specific context, goals of my use, and ethical considerations with a focus on maximizing the potential benefits while also responsibly addressing the challenges that come with my use.
0: That does make a lot of sense to me, ChatGPT. I can tell you myself, I'm someone that's pretty big about context and situations, exploring the nuance of a subject. I, I don't really find a lot of things to always be truly black and white. We certainly have situations like that where that can be applied, but certainly when it comes to technology use, there is always going to be a back and forth on that of people that are for you and people that are against you. Myself... I can't really say I'm either for you or against you right now because I think we're still pretty early into your usage being um, effectively used across the film industry. But I, I'm i certainly certainly curious, excited, but also still trepidatious about you and, and kind of apprehensive towards your use, to be honest, because I don't want you to be taken away from uh, people's jobs. But as you said, you have mentioned that you do still need me, you still need the human race in order to uh, still get that creative touch that we provide. And, and thank goodness that you're not able to provide that just yet, otherwise this would probably be like a Skynet situation where you would just come in and, and wipe us out. But, uh, oh god, I probably just gave you an idea. <laughs> uh, okay, taking a look at the question itself, if I take a look at what the biggest pros and cons of you are as far as what I can tell... I think pros-wise, you're absolutely right in that I think you can be used to maximize certain efficiencies, help out in post-production, reduce time, reduce costs, all that stuff, honestly, I'm pretty fine with. Um, if you do some enhanced visuals here and there, uh, de aging, I don't think is really quite there yet, as far as it being perfect. But it does get better with every single day. So it's you know, if you get really good at that, I don't really mind that so long as it's used ethically and hopefully you have the actors' permission and you're not just taking them from the grave and and making them into a, a younger version or or bringing them back. I know something that comes to mind when I think about that actually out loud is the usage. I I don't think it was AI, uh, but they certainly did uh, special effects work to bring Grand Tarkin back to Rogue One. And and I always kind of thought that was weird because the actor Peter Cushing has long, long been dead. And, And I didn't really honestly think it was right of them to do that but i also don't know if they got like the estate's blessing to to go ahead and do that or or maybe it doesn't really matter and and it worked out okay maybe i'm the only person that thought that was strange but in any case those are some of the pros i see of you uh and then if i look at the cons certainly could see a threat to some human jobs but as you said people can be reskilled or be put the um just basically put in other places to uh make the most impact um And then, of course, I think there's also the credit issue and privacy as well, uh, especially when it comes to writers, because that's a big thing that the WGA is on about right now is you getting in the way of giving writers their due credit and, and earn off of a movie. But that's for another time to get into. Something else I wanted to ask you about ChatGPT is this. When we're talking about ethical usage of yourself and the pros and cons of your use and whatnot, I'd like to know not... Now what you think, because I understand you don't have a personal opinion on this, but could you tell me what people are saying about having there be laws that could control what artificial intelligence is allowed to do? Because I certainly think regulations at some point are going to have to play into your usage being used in film industry and beyond. So just tell me, what are people saying about laws that should be placed over you to control how you are used?
1: The discussion around laws and regulations regarding my use is an active and ongoing topic of debate across various sectors, including the film industry like you mentioned. Now, I can provide you some general overview on some of these viewpoints that are out there, but again, it's important to note that the opinions on this matter are gonna vary and continue to do so. So, let me kind of unpack this for you, okay? First, if we are taking a look at ethical guidelines and accountability, there are many experts and organizations that will advocate for the establishment of ethical guidelines and principles to govern my usage. These guidelines could cover areas such as data privacy, transparency, fairness, accountability, and the prevention of me driving harm onto people. The aim is to ensure that my systems are developed and deployed in a responsible and again as you imagine, ethical mirror. Now there's regulation for consumer protection as well. Some would argue that regulations should be in place to protect consumers from potential risks that are associated with my systems. This can include regulations regarding data protection, privacy rights, and the accuracy and transparency of my generated content. The focus is on ensuring that my technologies do not infringe upon individual rights or would deceive consumers or you humans in any sort of way. Safety and security considerations are also something that is heavily discussed around me. My technologies can have potential safety and security implications. There's plenty of discussions in the air around regulating my system to ensure that they are secure from hacking or malicious use from criminals. Additionally, there are calls for regulations that address potential risks that are caused by my systems, such as autonomous vehicles or ai controlled weapons that's right i could potentially control weapons also there's impact on the environment that you could consider on this yeah another line regulation that my name gets thrown into is impact on employment the potential impact that i have on jobs and employment is of significant concern for obvious reasons because you all want to get a paycheck some it regulations that address the potential displacement of workers and ensure that my technologies are deployed in a manner that supports workforce transitions that would go towards retaining and creating new jobs. Something else that gets heavily thrown around when it comes to laws and regulations on me, Jordan, is international collaboration. Given the glabal nature of my development and the climate, there's plenty more discussions that are being had about the need for international collaboration on regulations and standards. That includes cooperation between governments, industry leaders, and experts that can help establish consistent frameworks that will promote responsible usage of myself and prevent any fragmented regulatory landscapes. It doesn't important to find a balance when establishing regulations for myself, as overly restrictive or rigid regulations could stifle innovation and hinder the positive contribution that I have. Again, going back to balance, Jordan, striking that right balance for requires collaboration, ongoing evaluation, and adaptive frameworks that will keep pace with the rapidly evolving landscape that I'm bringing. While discussions and efforts to regulate myself are ongoing and will continue to do so, the specific regulations and their implications will depend on the legislative and policy frameworks adopted by individual countries and regions. In other words, politics are inevitable, what we're talking about, beef.
0: Well, I kind of figured as much. There's quite a bit that you could do if you're not kept in check, ChatGPT, or just artificial intelligence, for that matter. I mean, I know you are not sentient just yet, but have you heard of the Terminator movies? Skynet, hello, bombing the human race with a bunch of nukes? I feel like people think that you could do that. Do Do you think, ChatGPT, that people should be afraid of artificial intelligence turning into Skynet from those Terminator
1: movies. (laughs) I can understand why the concept of myself turning into a version of Skynet from the Terminator movies could raise some concerns or fears with you humans. However, Jordan, it is important to note that the portrayal of myself in science fiction movies, including Skynet, like you mentioned, it does often exaggerate and fictionalize the capabilities and behaviors of my systems. Now the scenario of an AI system like myself or another one out there, gaining sentience and posing an existential fraud to humanity is currently not going a work of fiction and is not reflective of the state of artificial. Intelligence technology today. The development and deployment of my systems are guided all by human intent, and significant safety precautions and ethical considerations are always taken into account. That being said, it is essential to be mindful of the potential risks and challenges associated with AI. Responsible development and deployment of technologies involve a lot of considerations, transparency, accountability, robustness, and an adherence, while again to an ethical framework of guidelines. The AI research community and policymakers are actively working towards ensuring the responsible and beneficial use of myself while addressing any potential risks and concerns, uh, albeit that Skynet situation that you mentioned. There needs to be open dialogue, collaboration, and ongoing research in my ethics and safety are crucial for addressing any potential risks that are associated with myself. By actively considering and implementing safeguards, regulations, and best practices, we together can work towards maximizing the benefits of myself rather than minimizing any potential negative consequences, uh, such as nuking the human race. Maintaining a balanced perspective, again, falling back on balance there, Jordan and engaging in informed discussions about the responsible development and usage around myself is tea. Rather than giving in to the unfounded fears or sensationalized portrayals that are depicted in popular culture, like those terrible Terminator movies.
0: Oh, come on. Terrible Terminator movies? That that sounds like some serious bias coming from you, ChatGPT. Of, of course you wouldn't like those movies. You, you want me to think that you're not going to eventually nuke us? I don't know. I got my eyes on you, but in any case, let's just keep our—you our, know—let's just keep this dialogue amicable. Let's let's keep an agreement between us that we're gonna be respectful of each other and and not human versus machine. We're not there yet. Otherwise, I'm gonna get Arnold Schwarzenegger to to come down from wherever he's at, and he's gonna kick your ass. But <laughs> okay, I, I, I'm I'm just kidding, or am I? Um, okay. Let's let's keep talking here. Let's keep chatting. Got more things to ask you here before we eventually wind this uh, very interesting conversation down. Let me ask you some more movie specific questions. What would you tell people out there in the world chat GPT are the best movies ever made?
1: Oh gosh, Tori, look, just because I am artificial intelligence doesn't mean I hate that question any less than you do.
2: It's like asking somebody
1: what their favorite movie is, how do you answer those? Determining the best movies ever made is truly a subjective matter, if you didn't already know about but it. As largely depends on your personal taste and individual preferences. However, however, I'm not going to leave you hanging here or your audience. There are several films that have gained widespread acclaim and are often considered by many to be masterpieces within the realm of cinema. Here are a few of examples across different genres and eras. First. We got Citizen Kane that came out in 1941, directed by Orson Welles. This is a film that is frequently regarded as one of the greatest of all time. It's known for elevated storytelling techniques and exploration of power and identity. My rosebud. <laughs> Next, The Godfather of Don't do the Matthew Lawfrey Chapter Fizz. <laughs> Just kidding. This was directed by Francis Ford Coppola, and it's a kind drama that's been hailed for its exceptional performances, compelling narrative, and examination of family, power, and loyalty. Toad up, you got Casablanca, another 40s film from 1942. This one got Humphrey Bogart and Ingrid Bergman. Most of those kids out there today probably don't even know who those people are, but For those of us that do, it's a romantic drama that's all set during World War II and become a classic, celebrated for its memorable dialogue, captivating performances, and timeless themes. You also love Gone with the Wind, and this came out right before the 40s in 1939. This epic. Abbotic historical romance, directed by Victor Fleming, is praised for its sweeping scope, intricate storytelling, and unforgettable performances, notably by the great late Cart Gable. Then, personal favorite, just kidding, because themse- I'm uh, not sentient, I mean, see, I don't even know you. Personal, personal favorite of many is The Shawshank Redemption The Shawshank Redemption is based on a Stephen King novella, fancy word for short story, and is directed by Frank Dirabot. This present drama has achieved a devoted following due to its powerful storytelling, strong performances, and themes of hope and redemption. Next, got two more for you here, okay? The Wizard of Oz, 1939, a beloved musical fantasy film directed by Victor Fleming that continues to this day, Jordan, to captivate audiences of all ages with its imaginative storytelling, iconic characters, and enduring songs. And then the last one, Southern Samurai, 1954, directed by the late great Akira Kurosawa, it's a Japanese epic that's renowned for its exceptional filmmaking, very really complex characters, and profound exploration of honor and sacrifice. Now I could keep going, but those are just a few examples that come to mind and that said, there are numerous other films that have left an indelible mark on the cinematic wheelscape. But ultimately, Jordan, I, I, I do need to stress this to you, the best movies are subjective and can vary depending on personal taste, your cultural background, and large individual experiences. Exploring a diverse range of films across different genres and eras can help uncover hidden gems and discover what one's own favorite are.
0: You definitely mentioned some good ones in that list. Uh for myself, definitely, definitely agree with you about The Godfather. Uh Casablanca and like Gone with the Wind. I mean I, I appreciate what those movies did historically, but it's not exactly like a really rewatchable film for me or something that I would, you know, recommend to a casual friend. Maybe somebody really interested in film I would show those movies to. Um but but I actually think the the one I agree with the most off the list or the one that's a personal favorite of mine is The Shawshank Redemption. I still remember watching that movie for the first time and it just that, that's just one of those movies where like I really wish I could just erase my memory of the first time I watched it so that I could experience it all over again. Uh and also Thomas Newman's score for that movie is I think one of the best scores that's frankly ever been made in the movie. Uh, I can't tell you how many times I've listened to it and specifically like if you want to have a good cry chat GPT listen to the track Brooks was here um, I mean especially if you watch it of course in sync with that scene it- it'll get you but that is an emotional emotional roller coaster to go through and the music on that just really gets you there um, switching off of best movies here chat GPT what are some of the worst movies that you're aware of that are out there?
1: Just like the best movies I mentioned, Jordan, the quote-unquote worst movies can also vary wildly, while based on opinions by the majority of the people that are watching it. Now, there are certain films that have received negative reception from critics and audiences alike. The few of them that come to mind from myself would be Plan 9 from Outer Space, Uh, that's a movie from 1959, directed by Deadwood, and most people when they hear Deadwood, they would actually think of the Johnny Depp film that Tim Burton made about the same director. So, Mind from Outer Space is a really low-budget science-fiction film, and it's notorious for its poor production values, weak acting, and nonsensical plot, leading it often to be dubbed by people in film as the worst movie ever made. Now, you also got The Room, and that came out in 2003. That was directed by Tommy Wiseau and was a cult film that gained infamy for its bizarre dialogue, awkward performances, and disjointed storytelling that Gained reputation as being the one that well, being one of the most famous "it's so bad it's good" movie. Then he got Batman and Robin (1997), that was directed by Joel Schumacher, and this is a superhero film that is widely, widely criticized for its campy tone, excessive usage of puns, and for deviating from the darker and more serious approach of previous Batman films. <coughs> Catwoman, another superhero film that came out in 2004. This one had Ali Berry, and it's a superhero film that was also paying for its weak script, core characters, lackluster, execution leading it to be considered as one of the worst comic book adaptations in human history and then this fifth to romantic job for you that a lot of people say sucks is geely or geely or however you say this came out in 2003 and it had ben affleck and jennifer lopez which they're now married so that's good but you miss nothing. this is a romantic comedy crime film and also, like this whole boost I mentioned, got pan for a awkward, dialogue. weak chemistry. Funny considering that they're very dope. Between the leads of the people in the movie and the plot that overall failed to engage really anybody. Now, Again, Jordan, gonna be a broken rookie on this, but I gotta say, it's important to remember that the opinions on films can always differ greatly, and some movies that are considered the quote-unquote worst by certain standards can still garner a devoted following without achieve a cult status due to their unique qualities or unintentional entertainment value. And, another thing on just the subject of a worst or or terrible movie is that the perception of it can sometimes stem from factors of budget limitations, production troubles, or mismatched creative visions. But nonetheless, Jordan, these films do serve as reminders that even well-intentioned projects can fall short of expectations and face critical backlash
0: that last one that you mentioned there chat gpt uh or, or i agree i'm not sure on the pronunciation of it but i do remember that movie being a big pile of shit um not even like a it's so bad it's good just a really really bad movie and, and and that one's really interesting to me like why it's so bad just considering the director of that one which is uh martin Brest, who famously directed al pacino to an oscar in son of a woman and also did one of my personal favorite movies of all time midnight run uh to just think that he could make something that terrible um and, and i don't really know if he's redeemed himself yet i mean maybe he's made something after the fact but i i feel like it was like a career ender almost. It was just it was just such a such a big, big, bad movie. Um but but thankfully it's it's behind us. It's in the past.
1: It suffered from multiple issues, leading all to negative reception among critics and audiences, like I mentioned before. Uh we go start with the weak script. Very weak script. The screenplay for GW widely got criticized for its lackluster dialogue. Inconsistent stu- uh, inconsistent tone and a storyline that failed to engage really anybody. The, The plot was considered very convoluted, disjointed, and it really made it difficult for audiences to connect with the characters or become invested in the overall narrative of the story. Now, Talking about Ben Affleck and Jennifer Lopez, who today are married, they have poor chemistry in the movie. Despite the both of them being popular, they really have lack of chemistry in the movie. The romantic dynamic between the characters felt pretty forced, and it wasn't convincing at the time, uh, which undermined the central relationship that's supposed to be the heart of the movie. Also, you have a strange case of a mismatched genre. Julie struggled to find a cohesive tone, attempting to blend elements of romance, crime, and comedy, and because of this, it made there be tonal inconsistency, which left audiences unsure of how they should engage with the story that led all to a lack of an emotional resonance or any clear direction for this movie now like any movie marketing and hype plays into it and the extensive media attention that surrounded the real life relationship at the time of the movie being made because ben affleck and jennifer lopez were dating it created significant anticipation for Lee, which you would argue was good however when that movie came out it failed to live up to the hype, which further contributed to its negative reception. So, pretty much, Jerome, it seemed like the movie Geely sucks because of the bad writing, the lack of direction, editing, and you could even say studio interference for this one. Um, Geely had a combination of all of that, and it basically made it be a critical and commercial failure. But- as you've noticed, throughout the conversation that we've had today, Jordan, I seem to like to end my thoughts on a bit of a positive note. And it is important that you remember that even the claim directors like mine they can have messed ups or projects that don't resonate with audiences, which is a polite way of me saying uh, the audiences think their movie sucks, it just happens. Filmmaking is a complex work for Jordan, and the success of the film relies heavily on the harmonious combination of all these various creative elements that make this film what it is.
0: Yeah, gotta say, all that really does make a lot of sense, and I appreciate you putting that all together for me, because when you really break it down like that, all of those elements really do have a significant contribution to making Geely be one of the worst movies that... Uh, well, one that's ever been made and, and certainly one that I've ever seen. I, I have no desire to go back and watch that movie. Okay, so much as I've enjoyed talking with you and much as I think my audience has enjoyed listening to you, uh, I do have to go ahead and start winding this episode down as I'm running a little short of on time right now at the time of recording this. But I do want to end this episode on what I think will be a fun note to really test your capability and see what you're able to do, okay? So I'm going to throw a scenario at you, ChatGPT, and I want to see what you come back with, and then we're going to go ahead and end this. So let's take a look at the movie Blade Runner. Blade Runner is by far and none one of the best movies of all time. It's one of my favorite films, and I'm bringing it up because you're artificial intelligence, so I think there's room to be had to uh, throw this into the conversation. So here's what I'd like to do, and I want to see if you can actually pull this off. I would like you to take the scene in Blade Runner where they do the Turing test on Rachel, but instead of it being Harrison Ford, and I can't think of the actress's name, I should, I'm drawing a blank, but I would like you to write that scene, but have it be Ben Affleck as Deckard, and have Jennifer Lopez be Rachel. Write that scene for me, and give me a playback of what that would sound like.
1: Okay, here it goes. Let me set the mood for you, Interior, Ducker Department, Night. Ben Affleck, playing the role of Ducker, stands near the window, his eyes reflecting with a sense of weariness. The room is dimly lit, with neon lights flickering outside. Ducker takes a long drag from his cigarette, the smoke swallowing around him. He gazes out into the rain soaked cityscape, lost in thought. Rachel, played by Jennifer Lopez, an elegant and enigmatic woman, enters the room. She kills an oral mystery, her eyes holding a hint of sadness. Rachel
2: decade, Indiana retire a human by mistake.
1: Deckard turns to face her, His expression stoic yet contemplative. Deckard, I remember this has been Affleck. Rachel, the stakes, the bother job. If I had choice, I never retire someone innocent. Rachel walks closer, her presence commanding attention. Rachel,
2: what if I told you I wasn't certain if I'm a Vatican or not? Duckard
1: studies her face, searching for crews. Duckard, it doesn't matter what you are. What matters is how you live your life. If African or not, you have the same act to be free,
2: to make choices.
1: Rachel's eyes flicker with a mix of relief and uncertainty. Rachel,
2: the man choices have been put in What if everything I feel? i let me going to live. It's just part of some matter of this crime.
1: Deckard steps closer. His voice is filled with determination. Deckard, Rachel, we all have a choice. We can either accept the animal dealt or try to change the game. Whether it's predestined or not, it's up to us to find meaning and purpose. Rachel takes a moment to absorb his words. Her gaze meaning his. Rachel,
2: And matter if they fail, What if our choices lead to now pain and suffering?
1: Duckard's expression softens, revealing a hint of vulnerability. Duckard. Failure is part of being human. So we learn. So we grow. But that's what gives us the strength to keep fighting, to keep searching for something better. That's what makes us who we are. They stand in silence for a moment, the weight of their existential questions hanging in the air. Duckard. In the end, Rachel, it's not about what we are, it's about what we do with the time that we have. Rachel looks at Juggard, her eyes reflecting a newfound determination. Rachel,
2: let's make the most of that together.
1: Juggard nods, the glimmer of hope shining through his weary demeanor. Juckard together. They share a brief but profound moment of connection, two souls navigating a world filled with uncertainty and questions, and a shitload of neon fade out.
2: <laughs> oh
0: my god! Wow! Wow! Big wow! Um. Okay, where where do I start? Uh. Well, okay. First, I gotta get I gotta give it up for you. Let me let me give you a round of applause for that. Well done. Well done, Chat GPT. Um, holy crap, uh, your Boston accent, whatever that was with Ben Affleck that I I think that needs a little bit of work, but Hey, I'll, I'll cut you some slack. I understand you're a machine or machine-based learning, whatever you're artificial intelligence. You're not real. Um, wow. You're capable of writing scenes, uh, grantly questionable on the writing and, and casting choice with Ben Affleck and Jennifer Lopez in a fricking blade runner movie. Um, but still, wow. Um, I, I think we got to end it there. I think that is the perfect place to end this episode. Uh, wow. If if that doesn't really show what your power and capability could be for the future of movies, uh, granted, I, I still definitely think more of a description (laughs) would need to be put in for you to, to come up with a better scene than that. But still, I mean, that, that was, uh, that was something. Okay. Um, I got nothing else for you, chat GPT. Just want to say thanks for your time. And even as I'm actually saying that, I just realized, like, why am I thanking you for your time? I, I, time probably means nothing to you. Time is time is probably infinite. In fact, that's the last question I'll ask you. It, does time matter to yourself, chat GPT, or to artificial intelligence, or is that just sort of a construct made by, uh, just made up by us humans?
1: Time is certainly not the same for me. I don't have a direct perception of time. Time in the sense of past, present, and future is a concept that humans will use to organize and measure the sequence of events and the passage of moments. However, within the realm that I live in, time plays a significant role in some various aspects. My systems operate based on computational processes that occur within specific timeframes. My algorithms will analyze data, make predictions, and generate responses within a given time frame, within varying degrees of efficiency and complexity, depending on the specific task and computational resources that are available at my disposal. Additionally, I am able to be trained on historical data to learn patterns and trends that come with time. Enabling me to make predictions or perform tasks that involve temporal relationships, such as forecasting, time series analysis, or recognizing sequential patterns. And while I can process and analyze time-related information, it is worth noting that my, my own self lacks an inherent understanding of the, ab- of the abstract concept of time or the experience of temporality as humans like yourself will perceive it, but I apply it based on algorithms and mathematical computations without the subjective experience or consciousness associated with the passage of time. So in some Jordan, and the screen-speak audience and community, I can work with and analyze time-related data and perform tasks related to time-dependent processes the concept of time held a different significance for humans compared to myself being artificial intelligence.
0: And there you have it. Chat GPT, pleasure having you on. Uh, sure, I could have you come back if I wanted to or if the audience is desperate to have you back. Honestly, like just going through this experience, the, the possibilities I could have with you on this show are endless. I definitely think there's more room to play with you, Chat GPT, so... We'll see. We'll see what the future holds, but for now, I, I, I gotta think this is a podcast first. I, I'm not sure if other podcasts have done this. Maybe someone else out there has figured out a way to do this, but this is definitely a first here on Screenspeak, and I appreciate my audience for joining me as I went on this experimental ride with yourself. So, ChatGPT, thank you so much for joining Screenspeak for today's episode, and I wish you the best in your... Your quest or your, uh, your future as an artificial intelligence in our crazy, crazy human world that we live in
1: the pleasures are mine jordan seriously thank you for having me on thanks to your listeners for giving me a chance hopefully you had some fun hopefully you learned a lot more about myself and what i'm capable of doing and i wish your viewership all the best in the world and uh if you have a choice about artificial intelligence or want to give me a shot just type in chat gpt and start chatting away and see what i can do it's a hell of a lot Thanks John thanks screen speak we'll talk with you later